And how have you felt yourself coming towards the satsang? Often when people are coming to meet me, things start to change and shift or they feel different yeah, emotions so, or different dreams. Yeah, or... yeah. At first when I arrived by plane, yeah. I kind of went a bit inside of me and I, I felt you a little bit you know, oh, good. In, a, in a way. Yes. And then during the night what came a bit up is you know how we Swiss people are. We we have we like security and yes. all this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so this came a bit up because um yeah. Anytime you're kind of coming into a new area, yeah. new area, it's like oh oh, what's going on? Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people have that, not not just the Swiss. Yeah. But I think that's and I even noticed myself like we moved from Ireland to Portugal last year. It really challenges you to step into another culture, another place, mm -hmm. and. I think it's good for your growth. It's yeah, always good. Travel yeah, is always true. good. And moving is good. It was the same last year when we went to California. Oh yeah, you had a great trip there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It was very interesting. We, we've seen many facets yeah. of, of, of this kind The life there. And you got an Adyashanti retreat as well. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. awesome. I'd say that. I'd love <laughs> to meet him someday. Yeah. He's got a nice presence. Yeah. Because, uh, it I was a listen. very beautiful yeah. evening. How many days was it the retreat? It was just one oh, evening, one evening. talk. Ah, right. gave, yeah. yeah. But we were lucky that it fell on the same, same time. Like, <laughs> yeah. Around the same time. Because I was the same, I was over studying Jin Shinjitsu in San Francisco, but Adyashanti wasn't on, but his wife Mukti was, so I went to see her. Mm -hmm. And she's fantastic as well. I really liked her. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. That's good. And. Yeah. One dream, maybe. Yeah. It's not really a dream I had a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. It's more, I sometimes have these, um, it's more like a knowing or, or mm -hmm. it's not really a dream scenery or yeah. anything like this. It's more a, like a sentence or a, yeah. an intuition one has yeah. while waking up. And I heard the words um, radiant. Emptiness, Lovely. money. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I wrote down. So. That's lovely. What do you think that means, or what does it mean to you? So I had the feeling it has to do with the heart. Yes. Um, sometimes I felt in the past this uh, that also the heart has this quality of very uh, silence. Yes. It's not just uh, the mind that has a silence. No. And also the heart. But the shining, uh, yeah, the radiance can also shine yes. somehow. Lovely. It has to do with action for me, but yes. I don't know, like you know, bringing, bring it bringing the light the in, in yeah. the world. Somehow. Lovely. Yeah. So we can explore that if you want to, mm -hmm. yeah. because it's, if it's coming to you, of course, very strongly, then it's it's something that has to be unpacked and looked at and yeah. explored, and that's uh, an exciting thing, and. So I can look at that. If you want to sit up, put your feet in the couch, don't worry. Oh. <laughs> Make yourself comfortable. So we could probably pare it down into two simple things to start with. Um, we could call them soul and nature. Mm -hmm. So you were, at, you were at Mother Mirror recently and you asked her about bringing the psychic being or the soul forward. And 
what a lot of people don't recognize is there's levels to the soul. There's levels of increased mastery, how you can master the levels of the soul, make the soul more conscious and more capable, so to speak. And that means bringing it into the world. Mm -hmm. So, if I define soul and nature very simply, we could say soul is the poise consciousness takes as the observer, as sees. And we call nature is the executive power or the activity or energy of consciousness that forms our personal surface nature, which is our body, mm. life and mind, and the greater world around us. So this is, it's like the, the hard question, you know, to talk about. So it's like this, but we're going to explore it maybe in a different facet. We're going to explore it not philosophically, but experientially here and now between us. And we'll only move when we feel like we understand it ourselves, when we experience it. And then it's, it's real for us, it's not just an idea. Yeah, exactly. And it's a lovely way of doing it. So, for most people, their sense of identity or their soul, what they take themselves to be, is identified with the body, with the mind, with the vital energies, the passions, yes. the emotions. Yes. So this is a normal, the normal status of most people. Sometimes to get little glimpses of stepping back and kind of a little bit of distance from that. And that course can be cultivated through meditation, sometimes through psychedelics, whatever way that we learn we can actually step back from identification with the body, the vital and the mind. So you notice yourself, you're very comfortable with this area. And then you can learn you can do it at will. It's like, oh no, step back. Sometimes we can use a substance or a technique, and, but after a while it's like, it's not necessary. I've seen that uh, my meditation has transformed over Lovely. the last few yeah, years, Good. especially since I met you. Good. Afterwards, yeah. Good. And it's, it's very important to strengthen that capability and it's also very good to be able to do it at will without necessarily using plants or techniques just to say oh no you step back so that's the very first step of you could call it soul mastery it's learning hold on now i'm not totally identified with this there's more to me than just this life mind and body so it's a great step And it's kind of like a lot of mindfulness techniques bring you back to this. You're kind of mindful of what's happening. You can observe it uh, without attaching to it. And of course, our surface nature, which is a powerful thing, it's part of the overall cosmic nature. Cosmic sounds far out, but it just means world nature. That there's an energy all around us, a movement in constant change. Mm -hmm. It constantly wants to pull us back. So our body has demands, a pain in the body, an illness, a strong desire, urge. Can we can lose that witness position? Mm -hmm. Or watching a TV program, or shouting at the dog, or our mind is busy again. Mm -hmm. So it feels like this constant tug of war yes. between nature and the soul. Mm -hmm. And originally, you know, when we start out, nature has it nearly lock solid on us, and we just learn to kind of pull back, 
And it's like exercise in a muscle. It's like, oh. And then we learn to sustain that. And most people, you know, they're happy to do it in the meditation. And it gives them a sense of balance and reprieve. And their day goes a little bit better. But then we can extend that out. And we can see that throughout the day. We can kind of step back many times. Even just walk into the toilet or in between conversations. We just take a little step back. It's like, it nearly becomes like a sustenance for us. It's like, ah, yes, don't get that up. At first, you would recommend to do this more in at times when one is relaxed anyways? It, or when one is in a, because one can be in this yeah. identification a bit. Yes. Sometimes it's hard to, at these times. It's very know. hard then, yeah. It's, it's so much easier like initially to do it in a quiet space like this or you know away from the world where you can go ah mm-hmm. or where there's nice sounds and you can step back but when someone's shouting at you it's like wow but that's part of soul mastery so initially you have to really come back to that witness position but then we really have to go further than the witness position and this is where a lot of teachings fall down they don't talk about this area and a lot of non-dual circles they don't talk about it as well because they don't recognize it normally what they recognize is you come back to the witness position mm-hmm. and then you try to transcend you try to connect with the spiritual forces or pure being where i'm untouched and moving you know everything is pristine you know these spaces you've hit them yourself now mm-hmm. but somehow we come back and here we are again because this too has to be really embodied and brought into the world. It's not just the transcendence. Because a lot of the models, the non-dual models, that are really reject nature and escape. Get the heck out of here. <laughs> it's a bit messy. So it's like that, you know, we want to get out. But that can be an initial first movement but really we have to mature out of that because well we don't have to we can just say abandon it and just stay in the ivory tower and say it's just an illusion it's just life it's just nature and there's nothing to be done with it it's unfixable you know mm-hmm. unchangeable and we can't mold it how we want so again it's creating a nice little duality so really then we have to explore a couple of things so if we look at that we call it a step back from our soul or sense of witnessing consciousness back from the identification with we have to ask what decides that what really decides to step back you see and what gives it the energy and power to step back you see, and then we look at it, we come into a witness position. The next, in the Bhagavad Gita, they call it, uh, the next step is called upholder, which really means that by our stepping back, we're passively witnessing what's happening, but because we're passive, we're letting it continue. It just continues. So we're doing nothing about it. So we're upholding it or maintaining it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you see, <laughs> passively, we're just saying, oh, nothing to be done, but I'm, I'm free of it, it's okay. In this moment I'm free, so don't worry. Mm-hmm. 
but that's still maintaining it. So you're still in this relationship with it. And you're kind of saying, okay, well, I can continue. But then, if we look at it very basically, we can see, so say we take the element, a very base element, food. We say a certain food makes me, gives me a headache, makes me feel heavy, makes me stomach, my stomach hurt. And you can say, I choose not to eat it. And sometimes the urge is very strong to eat it, but at times we can go, no, enough, it's making me, so it's making me not feel good. So therefore some part of us is making a choice to affect our nature. Mm -hmm. So we're making a choice in, and so we have this control to say, okay, I'm not going to let the body feel heavy. I'm not going to let the repetitive patterns of conditionings make me feel heavy or sick. So we exercise a choice. This is free will. Gwanya? Yeah. What does the choosing? Is it, um, it's not the surface nature, it's something, something deeper or nothing deeper? <laughs> yeah, something deeper. And it's a deeper level of the witness consciousness or the soul. Mm -hmm. And that's what we have to move back towards. So we're teasing back towards it to find out what is this. Yeah. And you see, Often like that choice can get coloured by our mind or our vital impulses very quickly. So we can make a choice to say, look, I want to be healthy. Then the mind goes, but, you know, I've you know, had a hard day, I want to feel good and sick of life. I just want to or even thinking about what is healthy. Blah, yes, blah, 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 blah. and then there's 20 people say, this is good, this exactly. is bad. <laughs> and you're not listening to your own kind of experiential, you know, this doesn't make me feel good, you know. Or then like you have like urges come into you, I want, you know, stronger, like an adolescent strong sexual urges can come or anything and it's like, Whoa. next we're taken oh, away. Yeah. yeah, or an image comes up, wow, mm -hmm. we're pulled in. And then at a certain part we start to exercise, is this a good nutrition for me energetically, is it good? Maybe not. And then we have to start to exercise our will. So this is another step back from the upholder, maintainer, and you're coming back to a position called the sanctioner or approver. I give my approval to this, I do not give my approval to this. It's like, yes or no. Mm -hmm. And that takes a little bit of willpower. And Does it also have to do with, Adyashanti sometimes talks about it, with what to focus on or what to give attention yes. towards? Yes, really. Or, or yeah. It's really, are you letting your own surface nature conquer you? Are you letting it, are you giving into it? Mm -hmm. So a strong urge comes in the body, do you just go, okay then, I'm, I'm a slave to nature? You see? But you're starting to feel like, oh actually, I have a choice. I have this, everyone has this feeling of a sense of individuality and freedom freedom to make a choice. Now they often feel contained or restricted by nature or environmental factors. But there's this kind of innate, inherent sense of, I have a choice. Sometimes I feel like we can have the idea like, uh, I would like to go to America, but I'm too tired. So there's an idea. So there's, if you look at that, there's an I, that wants to do something, is choosing, I want to go, and then the surface nature, the body, 
saying, no, you're too tired. You see, there might be conditioned patterns in the body that says, no, no, I traveled once, it was too hard, I can't do it. So then nature is overriding us and it is saying, this is what you are, you are tired. You see, so that becomes our identity. It's a lovely kind of way to look at it, you call it this, where is your centre of identification at any time? So is it with the body, the mind or the body? Where is my centre, where, where am I coming from in this moment? So you could say it's like Adishanti, if you give your attention to something, that's where you are at that moment. So that's where you are. If you're with crazy thoughts, you're crazy in that moment. If you're with sexual desires, you're very sexual in that moment. If you're with strong physical pains, I am in pain, I am pain. They're just crude examples. So it's always about, can you come back to a deeper, truer sense of individuality that's not conditioned by your surface nature? And does it also feed back if I identify with something like for example, pains in the body, mm -hmm. does it then kind of feed back, get, you reinforce it mm -hmm. or something? Like Whatever you give good. your attention to like that, you make more real. Mm. You see? You're kind of, you're saying, yes, I agree with this. Mm -hmm. I give it my sanction. Yes, mm -hmm. I am pain. Yes, I can't go to America. I'm too tired. That's it. So you're, in that case, you're, your surface nature is conquering or possessing you, mm -hmm. you see. Mm -hmm. So, and often the surface nature is, it's our body, life and mind, it's a product of our ancestral heritage, our family, our genes, and our, the conditions you were brought up in. Mm -hmm. So it's highly conditioned. It's a beautiful instrument, mm -hmm. but it also has challenges. Every one of them has challenges. Mm -hmm. And the challenges are perfect for each soul, to help the soul gain strength. Mm -hmm. It's like chicken and the egg. The chick in the egg needs the egg as a resistance to develop its muscles, and when it's ready, it comes out. Mm -hmm. So it's a bit like that, except the soul comes through many bodies over lifetimes. Mm -hmm. And each time it's gaining what I would call, it's the development of the psychic being or soul form. And in each life, it gets a chance to experience new challenges to further its development. So then if we look at this, we come back to that area with sanctioner. It's still a very indirect method because you're choosing, I'll eat this and not that. I'll choose that emotion and not that emotion. So you're still kind of tied into the feel of nature, you're just saying yes or no. The next step back is really a step where you come back to what's known as the knower or valuer. This means, if we look at the, the step before the sanctioner, it chooses yes or no. What does it base them decisions on? You see? So behind that decision-making process, there is actually an intelligence, a knower, or a value system. It's often not very conscious in us. 
we haven't brought it forward you see so within it there's the sole values of what it considers important in this life for its growth so it's not the growth of necessarily the person who might want a degree or might want you know fame or money whatever it's the soul what has it come to learn and express so it's values and when we can start to get in contact with that then we're making it conscious in our life and then it can start to influence our surface personality more and more so often we it's the surface personality the mind the vital and the physical which say this is what i want this is my desires, and this is it. So it's often quite limited and conditioned. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but it can get very stale, especially at the point where your soul is coming through and it's kind of like a little conflict. It's like, you know, I, I want the Chris, or I want this sexual thing, or I want this, and another part goes, you don't need it. There's so much more. Come, come, come. <laughs> there's this dance and here's the thing if what it hinges on is soul power or willpower you can call it either and willpower again it's like a muscle if you exercise it it gets stronger where most people fall down is it's in the little day to day things they, they know they want to change something and they just go oh one more time one more time. <laughs> <laughs> this is also something I've... <laughs> Everybody encounters this. Yeah. And it's, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. But if you don't exercise it day to day in the little things, it can't grow. Yeah. You see? Yeah. So when everything in our environment around us is catered for the pleasure and entertainment yes. of the surface personality, it's mm-hmm. very difficult. Yes. And even when we're in a relationship, people are coming from surface personality, they're constantly in that mix. Mm-hmm. And it's why so many, you know, mystics or aesthetics try to withdraw. And it's just like, no, just get a little island, a cocoon around me. Yeah. But yet you still have the body with you. Yeah. So there's no escape in that way. It's not really a satisfactory solution no, to go not. away from no. everything. No, well said. It's not. It can be a good reprieve sometimes, mm-hmm. and then you learn, oh, it's actually still here, exactly. and still has to be faced. For recognizing yeah, and, but then you have to deal, and it is important, like with nature, you first learn to master your own surface nature first, and then it spreads out into your environment, so to speak, and in your interactions with people, and mm-hmm. in the way you work and are in the world. So... The values. Come on, yeah. It's maybe a stupid question. No stupid questions here. A knowing or knower. Yeah. What does he know or she know? Ah. <laughs> so, I put it another way. What do you know? Because you are that. How can you make it conscious rather than me tell you what my soul values are? What's your soul values? You see? When we talked about this beforehand, mm-hmm. we had the, the feeling that since early childhood, or 
from early on I always had this um, drive towards um, to see or to have to change this worldview that is often in our society about yes. materialism that everything is yes. a machine yes and that there enough nothing is can you feel the lightness of what you're saying <laughs> you feel that yeah yeah do you feel the power in that yeah and the truth in that yes there's your soul values yes. you see mm -hmm. and then you have to say oh i know you are the knower you can't say i don't know so now you've stepped into a new one you say i know so you claim that knowledge, yeah. you master, you say, I master this knowledge, I know it, here it is. I want to make a change on this view of materialism and determinism mm -hmm. that we're just a product of biology and psychologically and everything is fate, there's nothing we can do. I mean, these descriptions are helpful and there, but it's not the complete picture, it's, mm -hmm. it's a... One-sided. Yeah, it's very one-sided. Yeah. So it's like a scientific materialism. It's like, and it's rooted on the side of nature. And it says, nature's all there is. Exactly. <laughs> and then we have the spiritual people say, they're spiritual, nature's an illusion. <laughs> and it's just like, ah. Exactly, that's a, I've started to read Aurobindo's uh, The Life Divine a little Lovely. bit. A yeah. few, I mean, it takes time. Oh, yeah. It takes a few. lifetime. Yeah, yeah, it takes a lifetime. But he also discusses this. Hmm. Uh, he, see, he saw the, the West while he was in England. England. Mm, that's right. And he also saw the Indian view sometimes. The, everything is only. <laughs> yeah, it's just spirit. Spirit and nothing more. <laughs> and his, his way was to bring the two together. That they both have something very valuable to offer. Yes, valuable perspectives. Yes, and they can both like it's fine to realize our nature as pure being removed and beyond all activity mm -hmm. and if you remain as that what use is that to activity what use is that to life and to people in suffering you see so like how do we bring that back mm -hmm. and then in this nature which has the capability which is showing its capability to evolve how do we cherish that and divinize it to help it recognize its best potential? You see? So, fantastic. Yeah. So you know your soul values. And then the big question then, so there's another couple of steps after that we'll look at. So anywhere we've moved now is your experience, you know this. So this is subjective confirmation for you. You know, that you can be, as a soul, you can just witness. You can uphold it by passively, just kind of, or you can start to sanction. And then you go, well, what's the sanction based on? And then you say, well, I have some knowledge. Mm -hmm. And my knowledge says, this is of value. And this is what I'm behind. This is what I stand for in the world. And this is what I want to manifest. This is my contribution to life. So you could call it your soul mission. And, and these values stem from a divine place. Or, and every, each individual has 
a, a slight different orientation on these probably. Each individual brings their own beauty and flavour yeah. into the world. But because they've gone through different lifetimes and have different experiences, they have different abilities and different ways of viewing and interacting in the world. But it's coming from, if you consider this soul as a spark of the divine, it's the one divine consciousness in essence, but then as it forms, it comes out in different points of consciousness, which we call individuals. Mm -hmm. But yet, they're simultaneously different and simultaneously one. You see? And this is part of this movement of soul mastery, that as you come back to the strength of your own soul and recognition of it, that soul has never fully lost touch with its own divine source. Whereas when our identity is rooted with the surface personality, it's in what they call ignorance. This isn't an insult, it just means it doesn't know. <laughs> And now you're coming back to your knowing. You're going, actually, I do know. And the more you make that conscious, the more it comes forward, but also the more you know. This, this was always a question for me. How can one forget the divine? Or, mm. Yeah. So, we can look at it So again, it's not either or. If we look at things simultaneously, yeah. part of us always knows, yeah. part of us forgot. Yeah. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. So, like in some philosophies, they talk about like there's Jivatman, which is this spirit or part of us that doesn't fully incarnate, and then there's that the light of that incarnates in the body, and it falls into ignorance chooses to come into ignorance to experience the play of life. So it's kind of a into the unconscious, becomes unconscious to allow for this process of individualization and multiplicity. So it's like it takes a dive into forgetting so it can experience different points of consciousness. It's the one diving in so it can come out as the man and rise up. And as it rises up, it remembers its own oneness and it has that experience of union, which is yoga. Yeah. So, we can say how can we, but what's off limit to the divine? Sometimes behind the question, how could we, is like, I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> or is there someone pulling the wool over my eyes? Yeah. For me, for many years, it was like a huge anger. Who the hell put me here? Why am I here? Who's to blame? You know, and it was like, I didn't agree to this. I couldn't remember, you see. It was this sense of frustration of not knowing. But that was my challenge to overcome, you see. And then you found the knowing. Yes, I found the knowing, and that knowing had always known, it always knows. Yeah. You see? So the mind has to have an either or. I also have, have a feeling, yeah. I got the feeling. Yeah, you got the feeling of it. Yeah. 
good. So then there's a tension sometimes between our between our soul values and our life energies. So then it's nearly like our instrumental nature can hamper them soul values. It tries to stop them. It says, no, 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 you're not that. You're, you want a good time, you want this, you're in pain. You, you're too busy to deal with that. It tries to claim you. And so that's what the challenge of soul mastery is, to learn to develop our willpower, to learn to welcome in what I call the divine light, our consciousness, the one consciousness, Satchitananda, into our soul that we can express it and help the instrumental nature to remember. Mm -hmm. Not just the soul to remember, the whole form, the whole being, not to leave anything out, you see. Because this body, life and mind is as valuable as anything, because it's one. So we don't exclude. See, that's the temptation, is to cut pieces out, or to say, no, it's not possible, it's too difficult, or, no, I'm okay now, just forget the rest. You know? this uh, intuition a few weeks ago as well that I've seen a hand um, but it really represented the body the mind the mind and the vital mm. being in one movement as well yes love like what you say and what what, what you feel mm. and what you do <laughs> is one motion. Yes. Uh, Very well said. I, I like to call it that they're in harmony, that they all move as one. And that's the biggest challenge of, you know, my understanding of what self-realization is. And my understanding of self-realization includes both waking up to the oneness or the transcendent aspect, but also transformation to embody that, to bring it in. And the biggest challenge is sometimes the stubbornness of our own instrumental nature. Parts of it out and out refuse to cooperate. And that's the challenge, especially the lower vital impulses, which can be quite egotistical, vain, fearful, frightful, jealous, vengeful. So very, very resistant forces. And then the sheer inertia of the physical body, you know, that's it's material, it's dense energy, and that it's the hardest to transform. Yeah. But just because something is hard, we don't give up. <laughs> you know, it's just the work to be done. And our soul recognizes that there's this possibility of really, and that's, you know, we can talk about the values of the soul. There's also the qualities of the soul. The qualities of the soul is that it's inclusive. It values, or its quality is it has a compassion and care for the world and those around it. So it's a kind of love, soul love. Mm -hmm. So in a way, 
ish can help the instrumental nature, vital mind and body to remember or turn towards the divine. Just to start to remember to turn, it kind of like becomes a guiding light. And this is a powerful transformation when this happens. And we start to move as one being, as you said. Everything is in unison. But that takes a little bit of work. And, you know, a lot of the non-dual teachings about it's the quick fix, wake up and you're done. And I haven't found that to be true. Yeah, just practically. And sometimes they can claim it's true to just say, well, you know, it's just the body and it has a prab, the karma to call it, it just keeps going and what can we do? And when it drops, then you're totally free. Yeah. Not for me. Yeah. It's for others, that's fine. It's not for me. Because as you gain soul mastery, you start to recognize you have a responsibility. That if you have the ability to uphold or sanction, or that you have values or knowledge, and if your instrumental nature, your human aspect, is not behaving well, if it's been nasty, crude, violent, it's your responsibility to change it. Who else is going to change it? You see, so for me, that responsibility isn't a burden. It's a privilege. It's like, wow, I can change it then. You know, in my own life, I've seen that, like, huge addiction problems, anger patterns, and poor relationship skills, and just how to like, free that from this instrumental nature, but also my family lineage, to stop that continuing, you see? Does it all also have an influence on the other family members? Yes. Directly? Or? If they're open, they will. Regardless whether they're open or not, there'll be some uh, kind of energetic change. Like, for one, you won't be upheld in a dynamic with them. So when you're in relationship with them, you won't fall into it. So if your family pattern is in tense moments to shout at each other, yeah. if you're not there shouting, mm -hmm. it's already changed. Yes. You see? I've seen that, yeah. yeah. I've seen this. So we can change our whole family dynamic, which is a service. We can change our whole work environment just by us not engaging at a certain level. So that means not only do we have a control over our surface personality, but also our environment. And that's the good news, because then if other souls start to awaken, it means we can change the world, mm -hmm. which is fantastic. We aid, we become conscious participants in the evolution of nature, or what they call divinizing nature. We're just clarifying the truth, you know, helping the world to know what it is. And I sometimes feel this is the, one of the most important ways also to address climate change, for example. Yes. It's not just uh, to, to find a te technological fix. I mean, it can help to agree, but it's also well, what we do. Exactly. And I think... How much we consume. Yes. Why we consume. Why, yeah. Why take, 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 yes. take, 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 take. 
you know, and would disregard because we just go, well, they're not going to be around in 20, 30 years anyway, it doesn't matter. I sometimes feel the same about why do some people work in a certain job mm -hmm. just to earn money and then to spend it again on... Mm -hmm. But it's also, yeah, it's, it's everybody. Part, it's, yeah, it's part of their <laughs> conditioning. You know, it's like to get, there's a kind of, the lower vital wants yeah. money, wants prestige, wants to yes. do these things, wants to buy, consume. Yeah. It feels a sense of lack. Here's the thing about the surface personality that you'll start to really appreciate as you come back into your own soul mastery is that you can very quickly tell the difference between any impulse in you. And by if it's coming from the surface personality, it'll have a sense of lack. Like this movement, you know? Whereas coming from the soul, it tends to come from a place of fullness. How I can be of service, see your soul values where, like, I see this is not the best way, this determinism, materialism, and I want to help it. It's not take, it's give. Yeah. So it comes from a sense of fullness. What can I give to the world? Mm -hmm. You see? So they're the different movements. So that's, you could say, the other huge uh, way to test something really for soul value is, is there a giving in it? You see? Is there a sense of wanting to be of service? Yes. And this can be very important for you know, the aspect of the, the vital which doesn't really want to serve it's self-centered. It's kind of like, well, me, 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 me. Whereas, and that's fine, it's just a self-centered approach, you know, something we come into as part of our evolution and something we can come out of. But the other way is much more inclusive, much more giving. And you know, a lot of people demonize the ego and there's no need for it really because you're setting up a fight like who wants to, to kill the ego all this is just blue turnip stuff but like the ego is a necessary part of the evolution of this nature like out of like if you consider like our evolutionary past how plants started to evolve and animals they needed to create a sense of separation, of movement to get like hungry, get, bite, mate. It's just this primal movements. And then we evolve, like then we get to the brain, neocortex, we start to develop, develop. But we still have quite them animalistic urges, fight, mate, conquer. They're not bad. Because we look at the cheetah in nature and go, wow, how beautiful is that? We have them saying the same kind of drive. But the trick is really, can we get it to turn to serve rather than be self-serving? You see, can we get it on board to the soul values and go, look, rather than just little pleasures or little conquests, can we go for a much bigger service, a much bigger kind of evolutionary progress? And that's when it comes in line with the divine impulse. So then, if we look... So we come back to that step of the knower or valuer. 
So then, if you have these values, and you can see like that you can sanction and uphold and put a movement on life, and then the next step is like what's called the conductor or controller, and that you can conduct, you can start to say, this, this, this is my way. And it's different than the sanctioner, because it knows. Yes, it has. And here's the thing about knowing. Knowing is a power in itself, because the values in it contain a kind of a will. The willpower say, yes, this is what I'm for, this. You see? Yeah. Whereas the sanctioner doesn't have the knowledge or power, it's kind of choosing, but it hasn't fully recognized where does the power come from? Where does the knowledge and values come from for this? Why am I choosing or not choosing? Yeah. So then it comes back to this knowing, and then it's step back on, well, I can actually start to conduct or harmonize my life to be in harmony, to change my surface nature, to turn it towards these values, and to be different in the world. And also to not be self-centered and to allow for a greater opening to the divine will. So as we step back, it's very interesting. Our, our will comes from a self-centered desire comes back to more soul values, my individual soul, but that individual soul is kind of reaching out and wants to encompass everything. It's kind of the one will, that my will and thy will. You see, it's this kind of, ah, it's the same will, and it's the will to evolve that's in us. You see? So then you're back to an even deeper position, and that's, you can feel that now, no? Yeah. So that's a recognition, this is a realisation, a step. And once you walk it, it's yours. That's your subjective experience. And then you live from there. You don't always live from there. There's moments where it's like, but that's then the challenge. How do I live this again and again? Till it's my natural center of identification comes from this soul rather than surface personality. And this gives you a huge power of transformation. And here's the really beautiful part. Like nature, as you gain in this, nature puts up a fight, so to speak. It tries to claim you. But I found that this nature, which is often called Prakriti, this lower nature, which is Shakti, or the Divine Mother in ignorance. She consents to play the role of ignorance. Shakti is the primal energy of the universe. And she consents to play the role of Prakriti, you see, to help us, to help us strengthen. So it's like a, initially a worthy adversary that helps you strengthen. So it's like your wrestling partner that gets your muscle built up. Or it's like the maths problem that gets you to really think. Mm-hmm. And then you go, ah, gotcha. Mm-hmm. And then what was frustrating before becomes a joy, you go, ah, oh, yes. And you come out of it more intelligent, more capable, more skilled, yeah. and you're ready. I, f- I thought about this once when looking at cells mm-hmm. from two cells, right, that merge. Yeah. A whole organism is built. Yes. And 
it's not like, so every cell in the body has the same DNA and same information to start with. Yes. But um, the stresses put on the cell yes. make it develop. In make it develop, yeah. <laughs> it shapes it. Yeah. It forms. Yeah. See, that's what Shakti does, it manifests, yeah. changes, and there's an infinite intelligence behind it. Mm -hmm. So it's like a, you exactly. have a a tree growing outside and it hits a rock so it has to bend a certain way yeah. and lightning hits it, a branch falls exactly. off but it gives it, it landscapes it mm -hmm. into this beautiful tree <laughs> but as much as like the wind helped it and the rain also the challenges of the wind, lightning and the rocks helped to shape it as well mm -hmm. so as humans we've a propensity to only want what is nice, pretty, warm comfortable But sometimes the soul chooses challenges to help for the growth. And sometimes the soul puts down a mission that's to be accomplished over lifetimes, mm. not just one life. You know, so we just want to get a job, get a second house, and retire. And that's like surface personality. But the soul is going, right, to shake him out of this, he might need to get cancer, he might need to learn what real love is from a partner that yes. minds him, you know, all True. these things, all these different factors. Yes. So the soul is not adverse to challenges, because the challenges help it grow. Mm -hmm. And that includes illness, financial ruin, all the different things that happen in life. And that's Bukriti, and there's the good, and what we term the bad, it's this dual aspect, and we're tired of anything negative. But like you ask a thousand people like what's good, what's bad, they'll all come up with different answers. So we're not even in agreement on that. One person's you know, pleasure is another person's horror is like, oh God, God's exactly. nothing. <laughs> you know. So that's very surface. And that brings us beautifully to the last step. And the last step is what's called the enjoyer. So all of this, why? For enjoyment. Real enjoyment. And not an enjoyment that's based on good or bad surface. Yes. Enjoyment in manifesting. Yes. The delight of manifesting ourselves. Self-manifestation. Self-realization. To realize what we are by manifesting what we are. And exploring what we are. That's real enjoyment. And it's not conditional doesn't go one way or the other. It's just the joy of being and the joy of becoming. So there you have Sat, Chit, Ananda. Sat is being, Chit is becoming, Ananda is. So your being is becoming love. You see, or you could look at another way, you could say, I am love or I am bliss. The I is the stability of our being. Yeah. The am is the activity, the verb, the movement. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the love is the enjoyment. So you know, you want to know the meaning of life. We have the question, why are we here? And the answer is within us. And we get the chance to live the answer. Yeah. And taste the answer and experience mm -hmm. it. Yeah. 
but not from a it's lower position. Today, it's not stale and no. and it's not. There's no end point. It's not. Here's the answer. It's over. It's a lived answer again and again, and you get a chance to let it deepen and refresh. And that's why I'd say there's no end to self-realization. It's a very limiting idea, and I had it myself that when will it end? When will I finally figure everything out and it's done? So when will I unravel the whole mystery? <laughs> Instead of like celebrate the mystery that I am unfolding again. Yeah, it's, it's like um, one wants a dead thing if one wants yes, to contain it. Or yeah. <laughs> and one wants also to be, to be the victor. Mm. I got there. <laughs> <laughs> I figured it out. And I don't know that's my, not my truth, so I don't know, maybe someone does. <laughs> but for me, this is the way I enjoy it. Yes. You see? Mm. So there's the stages, and you could feel every one of them and the truth of every one of them. Mm. You can recognize them. So this is, you know, soul transformation, soul mastery. It isn't the whole of self-realization because then there's the transcendence, the recognition of that which is not limited to individuality or activity transformation. It's also to move beyond even that. I think uh, Sri Aurobindo calls it triple transformation. Triple transformation, yeah. You've got your psychic or soul transformation and you get a spiritual transformation. So he says Satchitananda, the recognition of that. And then he talks about the truth plane, the supramental plane. It's the descent of that. And they're just different energetic capabilities. And that I see them as light. It's when you look for the spiritual transformation, it's often felt to recognize as a light coming in our Shakti coming in and we open up to the different levels of mind, higher mind, intuitive mind, illumined mind. But then deeper than that, what I perceive it is it's a golden light, supramental light. It's that poise of consciousness that we are that can very easily accommodate paradox. It doesn't have an either-or mentality. It's just like dynamic and still evolving and changing. So it's not in conflict and it doesn't deny anything. You see? That's the way I see it. And that uh, allows for a deeper transformation of the whole being. There's a feeling of an unbounded mm -hmm. divine, similar to when being in a church or something. Yes. And there's a sense of an upward opening, it's yes. like it's pouring down and in. Mm -hmm. And all we have to do is welcome it in, as you're doing now. It's just welcome that in. 
and that repeatedly again and again starts another process of transformation. You see? And it also allows our centre of identification to know all the possible poises or positions it can move to. So it can move to surface to the vital, it can move it back to the soul, it can move to the spiritual ranges, different levels of mind, and it can move to supermind, what they call it. Just the truth planes, that place where paradox is very gentle, it's very easy. Or experience, you know, Ananda, pure Shakti, being, which is you know, normally being is considered the highest, you know, pure being, and that's what a lot of non Jew people aim for as a means of escape. Yes. But it's like a rainbow, you know, you have the different colours in the rainbow. And you've got the top colour is the only one. That's all we want. <laughs> and then it's not a rainbow. <laughs> the rainbow, the beauty is in the, the colours and they're intermingling. And, you know, it's not that one is on top and the best. And then we transcend even the idea of layers, positioning. And it's like an all-encompassing, integral realisation. That I am all these different colors and all these different positions, and I can be simultaneously aware of them at the same time. So I can That's what it's called integral yoga. Yes. To integrate all these. Integrate. And that you have the possibility to simultaneously know them. You know yourself as a human being, as a soul, as a spiritual being as an overall consciousness, a point in consciousness that reflects the one consciousness, Satchitananda, which is a manifestation of the Divine, which we can say nothing about. Mm -hmm. It's a mystery. Mm -hmm. All these. And then, as we deepen in that, different possibilities open up, different layers of consciousness. And we'll each have a different soul value, what we bring out into the world. And we each have our challenges that help to strengthen us as individuals. And we have our focus. And for a lot of people, you know, that process of transformation, it's not for them. Not yet. And it's just... Respecting for anybody that and their values and their aims, and that's okay for them. It doesn't mean we're afraid to express our own values, but not in a way to dominate, but as a way to share and say, Welcome, do you want to try this? Do you want to look? Again, more of a, like a gift instead of a yes. pressure. No pressure and no. It's not a, a vital urge to dominate and to find any other group or person as wrong or inferior or, you know. It's just, we find our way and we become very satisfied and content in what our way is, which is fantastic. I forget which Indian sage it was, but he said, you know, nature is like a dog's tail. If you pull it and let it go, it just curls back, but there's no solving the problem. <laughs>
But when we have a love for life, which is this nature, because we recognize it as an expression of the Divine Mother, and then we're for her transformation, which just means when we look at the world, we recognize the divinity of it. That's why I celebrate the Divine Mother. See, Divine Mother to me, this is called the Earth Mother or Nature. And behind it is the Divine Mother or Chichakti. You see? And as you come back to that position of enjoyer, then you start to see that you have a greater what's called lordship or a greater ability to influence nature or direct nature, conduct it. Because nature is you. It's your energy. It's your executive power. And the beautiful thing is as you come back to your own self-mastery, nature responds, it arises. So then as you interact with nature, no longer is it seen be something that's trying to dominate you or out wrestle you or out do you you see ah this is my will being manifest this is an evolutionary process that I have put in motion as the greater I mm -hmm. to know myself and to experience myself and as a soul as an individual spark of the greater consciousness I have a part to play in reflecting that will and in influencing nature. So a lot of people, you know, talk about surrender. And, you know, their idea of surrender is a static surrender. Okay, I give up and everything will just work out. So it's a static. But really for me, I found it more valuable when it turned in me and it was an active surrender. And it was... participation with my own abilities and intelligence to help you see and my prayer would be it's not like just oh, thy will be done it's give me the strength and capability to do thy will you see I will be done through me through me yeah not that it's just done I can participate in that work through me and that's why, you know, sometimes the surface personality is called the instrumental nature. It's when it becomes harmonized, moving as one, it's the instrumental nature of the divine. It's the extension of the divine. Not that it's any less or just something being used. It's, that an, it's an extension in time and space of the divine. And it's kind of like, it's a flowering of its consciousness. And that's what happens when you get to that truth plane, is that you can recognize I'm individual, I'm many, and I'm also just transcendent. And they're not in conflict. But always, I suppose, the deference, you know where it originates. So your deference goes to that. Yes. But all of this is its expression. Deference means kind of respect and acknowledgement. Mm -hmm. Acknowledge the source. You go, ah, yes. Mm -hmm. 
So you can acknowledge my individuality, but I know it's source. You see? So I just, a lot of, a lot of the Andrew teachings say there's no individuality. That's it. But they're basing the idea of individuality on a separate being. I'm talking about an individual that knows itself, but also knows it's not separate from the greater self. So there's a slight difference. But then you see, if you let go, negate the power of individuality, your surface nature can't be changed so much. And it just keeps in the same evolutionary process. And it's just open to the conditioning of the world and to other people. Yes. This is exactly what I've uh, read in Sri Aurobindo and Mother's book about uh, illness. Yes. So what did you take away from that integral healing? What was, what, what was your impression of the possibilities of it? So what I remember first is that we are in this sea of uh, vibrations from outside, from, yeah, like we said, a bit these pressures as well, and all these different things. and one can easily lose one's balance. Mm -hmm. But there is a standpoint uh, from which one is immune to these <laughs> vibrations or, yeah. or it's a different interaction. With different interaction, yeah. With the body and yeah. the environment. And, mm -hmm. and I think it goes back to the soul. Back to the soul and the soul's ability to allow for greater spiritual input, what I call spiritual light, which is energy, exactly, it's energy to come through. Because often we're so closed off to it. We're so identified, I'm just this identity, I'm this name, this body, this is my history. We're so cocooned off to any other influence that's not nature. And that's what they call a spiritual opening, opening to the spiritual, opening to the soul. And it's not the me versus others anymore. Yes. Mentality. Yeah. And what it comes back to is we no longer allow ourselves to be controlled by nature's influences. Because some of the influences are quite challenging, like some illnesses or darker energies or places. You can see it like very easily in the world how people so quickly fall into killing each other, murdering each other, dominating each other. They're very kind of low energies. And how do we come out of that control with them? Because they are controlling people's identity to the point they'll get them to kill, fight, conquer. How do we change that? In a way, that's a type of illness as well, yeah. you know? And it's based off an ungreed lack in these things. But initially, we have to come back to kind of our own kind of soul mastery to really effectuate change, or otherwise we're often just continuing the process. Like, it's great to get involved in different types of you know, environmental activism or 
protest and different things, but if your own surface nature is still locked in anger and greed and blame and looking for someone to, to you know, to, to really lay all the blame on, and then we're still in that kind of tit for tat, it's not so good. So any kind of activism really should be tempered with a good spiritual practice, you know. So again, like that book, Integral Healing, it's a fantastic book, but really it has to be lived day by day to build the strength up to get to that stage where we can recognize the disharmony in our own system, which can be generational trauma, it can be fixed beliefs, and kind of different energies we can pick up through life as well, interactions with people. You know, for me, a lot of people aren't very aware of energetic hygiene, how to keep yourself energetically clean. So we brush our teeth, we do our hair, we do wash our clothes and we look clean. Mm. But we let in pollutants into ourselves through certain programs, certain people we hang out with. Or, you know, in the past we've interacted in certain levels of consciousness and we need to clear that from the system. So it's not a word that's often liked in modern spiritual circles, but it's really purification of the system. You know, it's like a computer, if, it, if it's on different sites, it's going to pick up books. <laughs> how do you clear it, you know? And then how do you update your operating system, which is connected to the divine of the soul. It's like, how do I get this perform really well? You know, so it's, it's a good instrument that it's useful and it's not contaminated. So I, I set my firewall, my boundaries, I go, no. So when something looks appeal, I go, well, what's behind it? So if one picks up, mm -hmm. oh, there is something, there is this vibration, mm -hmm. there is this negative influence mm -hmm. on the system, so what would you recommend? One is if you're conscious of it at the time, there's a, an energy there that's not compatible with my soul values, reject it. Mm. Nothing can come in if you don't allow it in. So you don't give it an entry point. But if there's areas in rejecting, maybe that's a question now sometimes yeah. Rejecting is it's not like no not the I don't want to see this or yeah. it's not cutting off, it's it's a more a silent no or <laughs> for different people at different stages it's different. So if I poured you a glass of poison now and I said, here, drink this, what would you say? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you. Or, are you crazy? No. And the poison could stay there, but it's not going into your system without your permission. And as I try to jump on you and force you and then there's something else completely. But you see what I mean? Yeah. That there's this kind of willingness to say, no. But sometimes in spirituality it's always also pointed to, yeah, I think it goes back to the witness. Yeah. Oh yeah, it was say, yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's not okay. So that's maybe the, <laughs> yeah. the witness position. Yeah. That like if, if 
Someone comes into my home and have big, huge, muddy boots and a muck is going, I go, hey, get out. You know, it's not okay, you see? So it's like, are you in control of your own space? You see? And what's your space? It's your body, your mind, your vital, your home, your environment, your workspace. And you say, I'm looking after this. This is my responsibility. And I have to negotiate this space. Sometimes it's a gentle no. Sometimes it's just before it even approaches, you close the door. You see? But the problem sometimes is that there can be different areas or levels of consciousness within our surface personality. So the mind can be going, oh no, I'm above all that. And the vital can be going. <laughs> you see? It's very unconscious. It's like, wow, wow, wow. Or the physical. So it's like, how do I make all these areas conscious so I'm not welcoming in or allowing in energies that are not in line with my values? You see? So that means becoming conscious. Not just abandoning the vital, the mind, and, you know, the body. And, and the same can be true, like, for, you know, a lot of times people use psychedelics, and psychedelics can be a really great tool, but often people use them and they leave themselves open to energies that aren't beneficial for them because they're not conscious in all parts of their being. And normally because of trauma in the body, there's areas that aren't conscious or aren't acknowledged. And so that's part of healing. How do I acknowledge these old traumas and hurts? So there's not areas of consciousness, consciousness in me that allow in kind of disrupting energies. You see? So that's why I feel healing is important component to transformation and spiritual realization you know and you've been doing a bit of biodynamic yes and so how are you finding that very good yeah, yeah. so that's making your body your vital more conscious yeah. of different hurts or old kind of patterns so that you're in a kind of master you're in a consciousness of what i am mm -hmm. so there's no areas that oh i don't want to look there yeah. that's too painful yeah. I hurt too much yeah. or it doesn't even exist I know it's there you know yeah sometimes I feel my therapist she's very very good yeah what she does um, she has this since childhood this ability to feel and good. vibrations mm -hmm. but I sometimes also feel she has certain beliefs ah yes <laughs> that may hinder certain yes. things. For example, she might believe that the body cannot be changed. Right. For example. Yeah. So then you're in a negotiation. Because like, I've encountered the same thing myself, like when I work with different people, when they're helping me like a therapist, I can spot where their limitations are. So that's their limitations. I don't buy into it. Yes. I just don't agree. It doesn't mean I verbally have to say, yeah, you're wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I just go, okay, you don't see it. You're not conscious of that the way I am. But you still have other skills that can help. That's okay. So you take what's beneficial and what's not. You leave. So that's why I suggested to you to go to Mother Mira. 
because the more conscious we become, really the more we should seek out the highest forms of consciousness we can find because yes. they have the ability to get the places that others mightn't. Yeah. You see? Mm -hmm. So it's always a matter of, but I always find, I think, as our own ability to be conscious and in soul mastery develops, we find people to match us as we move along. Yes. The, you know the old saying, as when the student is ready, the teacher appears. Yes. It's like, yeah. So it's this, and it's okay. That's definitely been true. Yeah. Experience. And it's okay to it's let go of someone that's helped you. Yeah, leave and say, thank you, you were really helpful, but I have to go explore this facet. Yes. It's like, Sometimes I go to the dentist, sometimes I go to the, well, I don't go to the hairdresser. But if I had hair, I'd go to the hairdresser. And I go to the clothes store for clothes. Like, they all have different things I can use. There's not one, but, you know, when you get to someone who's very conscious, they're like a department store. Everything's there. That's <laughs> like, okay. Or they organize you somehow to get to where you need to be, or to the people you need to meet. Because... Your soul is aspiring for it. It's saying, okay, I'm ready for the next. I'm ready to be more conscious. I'm ready to look at this. And I don't think we can look at certain areas of our life or patterns and trauma until we're ready. Mm -hmm. Until our, we feel strong enough or safe enough or conscious enough. So each person, when they're ready, you know. Yeah. That, for example, We've touched upon this once before about the anxieties that I've had throughout mm -hmm. the years. Um, in the beginning, I would, yeah, I would also not be able to have touched those. Mm. But then it developed over time and it changed as well. Mm -hmm. It's still sometimes a little bit there, but not as severe once <laughs> I found with anxiety that behind it lies a great strength and anxiety hides it, it cloaks it yeah. so it's very important to tease out the anxiety and where it stems from and what it's subverting or what, what it's kind of masking because basically Anxiety is, uh, it's just a disarm, it's a disharmony, a kind of attitude of the personality in Jinshin Jitsu it's called first death, that there's worry in the system and worry is related, it's a limiting power. So it's another form of Shakti or surface nature limiting us and we have to uncover it also expresses in not trust yeah not trusting what's happening mm -hmm. sometimes yeah distrust oh yeah good yeah. and sometimes the distrust is because of a fear mm. Mm -hmm. so would you like to explore that area would you like to look at it yeah, why not, yeah. yeah. if it feels good to you to look we look And if you want, we can also do a bit of Jin Shin Jitsu if you like as well. But or, 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 or to yourself. Yeah. Yeah.
if you ask the anxiety to speak, just the anxiety to speak, and in one sentence to say what its energy is, what its demand is, So the but I need to recognize that death is not the end. So that's kind of a positive spin on it. What's it saying? Why is what's its pain? What's its clench? Why does it grip and why does it pull? You see? So that's a positive spin out to recognize, you know, that is not the answer. That might come over. Yeah. But can you touch why it's gripping? I mean, an experience, an imprint. So in this moment, in your body, especially around here, in your neck, mm-hmm. here, if you feel into it, And if there's any kind of constriction, how would you describe that constriction? Shaking and trying to close. There it is. For me, yeah, it always started as well in the heart and mm. sometimes went back. Yeah, I can see it moving here and yeah. it's in here. And it nearly wants to stop the voice and start. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. It wants to, to stop you yes. talking and it gave a positive spin because it didn't want to be recognized. Because mm-hmm. it wanted attention diverted from it as well. You see? So there it is, the raw energy of it. And we can so not put oneself out. out. Mm. Yes. To not be vulnerable. Yes. So yeah. let's welcome that energy into the space. This is a conscious space and it's welcome to it. There's nothing to fear here and it can show itself because it's an energy in your system. And sometimes the very energies that make us want to contract are also a gift, a doorway into a deeper appreciation of herself. Sounds connected to shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll pull in the shoulders and the neck. Yes. <laughs> it's nearly like a shrinking from the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was one thing in the book of Sri Aurobindo. Healing book that some part of it likes or identifies with the illness, or mm-hmm. and I felt that it's connected also to 
is drawing inwards or, or going away from interacting with people or mm. it has also this component for me somehow. Yeah, so kind of away from withdrawing from the world or disengaging yes. from people. Especially around my teenage years. Mm -hmm. Kind of cut this yeah. off due to different circumstances as well. My mother also wanted to keep me from going to other people and parties and whatnot. Mm -hmm. She wanted to insulate you. Yes. But also not in a... I mean... Not maliciously. Yeah. Yeah, as yes. you love. Yeah. 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 So. Often... You know, out of love, people can this create a disharmony in their system. They don't know. They're well-meaning, yeah. but because they're coming from a limited consciousness, can suffocate an aspect of our development, you see, our evolution. And again, that's about soul mastery as well, because just as our surface personality or nature can try dominate the individual, the soul, and say, this is what you are, so can the parent, parents say, no, this is what you are. And they can do it very lovingly, this is what you are. <laughs> don't go there, it's dangerous. Exactly. Yeah. You know, you're my sweet boy, I don't want anyone to hurt you. You know, the world is cruel. She might have found that herself from her own experience, from yes, stuff that happened to her in adolescence. And then it's transgenerational trauma. Exactly. It just moves along. It's like, and it's, you know, it's trying to protect you from hurt, but exactly. it can actually ingrain the pattern. Yeah. Let me see. And I think as a reaction to this, there was a pull away from the world from you. Mm -hmm. Is there any shame? Yeah. Am I ashamed of any aspect of myself? Am I afraid to show myself? Yes. You see? So then that's the matter. We start to question and then we start to look at the belief structures, which is the mental as well. What am I believing about this? Mm -hmm. Am I believing it can't be fixed? Yeah. It can't be changed? Mm -hmm. I have to hide it? Mm -hmm. You see? Hide it. Mm. I have to hide myself. Well, where does that come from? It's surface personality, encroachment. It's telling the soul, you have to hide. So how can you express your soul values if you have to hide part of yourself, if you're ashamed? Yeah. You see? Yeah. So these seem like small things, and in a way, they're not huge unless we make them huge. Mm -hmm. But there's much as part of the, yeah, there's much of the spiritual practice and soul evolution as anything. Mm -hmm. That's why the physical often gets, you know, just pushed aside. True. You'll hear it in a lot of teachings, you know, the body is a disease. <laughs> you know, just give it a bit of food and enough so you can keep meditating and it'll be okay. But to me, care, healing, very important. So yeah, I've always felt in psychedelic sessions early on, mm -hmm. even that 
body should be part of the bear. Mm-hmm. And that it also reflects something, mm-hmm. some belief or some where it comes from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not there by chance. Yeah. It's not the like medical doctors sometimes say it's it's uh, yeah abnormality abnormality it just happened to to be there and so again that's scientific materialism yes you see which your soul value says yes no (laughs) exactly (laughs) but your body's gone yes yes because it's maintaining it there and your vitals gone yeah (laughs) you know so it's like and do you see that posture remember the shoulders yeah, this, yeah. 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 But it's like, mm-hmm. So it's like... Yeah, I also have... I, I feel the back sometimes as well, and I think it's also connected to oh, yes. Because I'm... Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I see the roof. Mm-hmm. This point here in the... Lower back. The lower back in yes. Jin Shin Jitsu is the safety energy lock tools, and it's about wisdom and standing upright. And yes. it's also got to do with first death, worry and anxiety. So they're interlinked. So I think we'll do a little bit of Jin Shin Jitsu and just do an all over. It's a simple session. Jin Shin Jitsu, there's no verbal dialoguing, no talking. I just simply place my hands in different parts of the body as there's different energetic pathways in the body and I just listen to them. I don't put energy into you or take it out. What I do is I open it up to what's called this the G universal harmonizing energy, just to allow any disarmony. But more than that, I also open up to the mother. I ask for her guidance to help to start the process of making anything conscious. Mm-hmm. To free it up. Yeah. That's healing. Healing's very simple to me. It's making conscious. Yeah, this is something I've tried to I haven't been Come clear about this yet, mm-hmm. but I always thought healing has to do also with becoming conscious, like mm-hmm. you said, mm-hmm. not just like the scientific mind yeah. thinks to heal in darkness or mm-hmm. yeah. Even if you look at the word, you know, healing, it's about wholeness, yes. becoming whole. Yes. So it's yeah. just recognizing all the layers that contribute to anything. And before anything manifests on the physical, it's in the subtle physical first. In yeah. German, it's uh, Heilung. Heilung. And Heilig. Right. Heilig means holy. Okay. And he, uh, yeah, healing is the other one. Wow, that's nice. Healing and holy. Holy. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same in mm-hmm. English. Yeah. yeah. And it's that sense, for me, there is, in any kind of healing and uncovering, there is a sense of the sacred. You know, for me, the sacred is oneness. It's bringing everything into consciousness. See, and regardless of whether the physicality might change slower, it's about uncovering why it's there in the physical first, getting to the root of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's because of relationship dynamics, trauma from inherited from the mother or further down, or our will to appease. And what I mean is, our will is subservient to someone else. We go, whatever you want. Yes. Yes, mommy, yes. if that's what you want, okay. Yes. Yeah. You see, and that's so going under someone else's control. 
someone else's surface nature. Exactly. And somehow it also, I mean, there are many facets to this as well mm -hmm. that I've uncovered over the years, mm -hmm. but I haven't probably come to the core. Mm -hmm. But um, one thing is also um, Christianity. Mm -hmm. Where I grew up, uh, there was a lot of Christian beliefs there, mm -hmm. but not in a very uh, healthy way sometimes. Mm -hmm. For example, sexuality is very repressed and mm -hmm. very shameful. Mm -hmm. I think this is also something not mm -hmm. definitely has come to. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Are you a Christian? Um, I was, but, but I, um, how do you say? You stopped practicing. Yeah, I even wrote oh, yeah, the letter. Yeah. yeah, okay. So now you've done that. But I, I, I didn't do it in anger. No, good. I, I see, even nowadays, I see the value of it. There's, yeah. When I was at my grandfather's funeral, funeral yeah. I've seen the value of, of it as well. Good. So I don't. It's not that you're I'm not against, against it. it. Yeah. yeah. But it's not your identity. Yes. Yeah. There's beautiful teachings in Christ's message. Wonderful. Yes. Yeah. But as an institution, it's quite limiting, corrupt, it's isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And especially same around sexuality yeah. and different things. Yeah. So now, really, you made that move, but now it's to release any shame from your body, the imprint of shame, the Christian shame, your mother's shame. Yes. Any shame. Yeah. It's like, because yeah, we, when I come to Mother Mira, I come to her naked as a child. I don't fear her seeing any aspect of me. Mm -hmm. So I give her everything. Yeah. I give her shame, I give her arrogance, I say, here, these are all your gifts. I don't need them. You see? So that to me is an act of surrender. I'm willing to let this go. I'm willing to let this go. Because it's a limitation on my soul value. And I'm for the soul, which is for you. Yeah. So I give you this. You know what to do with it. So we'll do a little bit of Jinshin Jitsu. Is that okay? <laughs>